0: Morning, everyone. Let's uh, make our way back to our seats. Welcome to New Life Church on this Sunday morning. It's good to see you guys. Uh, let me invite you to open up your Bibles to the Book of Hebrews, uh, or the Letter of Hebrews in the New Testament, Chapter Twelve. Hebrews, Chapter Twelve. As you turn there, I'm going to prepare to read a verse uh, out of Psalm 143. That's kind of been our theme verse for this series that we are in, and it will be on, our, on the screen here behind me. It's Psalm 143, verse 10. It's a prayer of David. He said, teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your gracious spirit lead me forward. Can everybody say, lead me forward? Lead me forward. May your gracious spirit lead me forward on a, I love this, on a firm footing. Lead me forward on a firm footing. Today, special day, it's uh, Heart for the House Sunday. If you're new here, uh, we do these days called Heart for the House uh, at least a couple of times a year where we try to um, involve a fellowship meal like we did this morning with our breakfast. as we just ended our 21-day prayer and fasting. Uh, I want to say thank you to everyone who helped make that possible. So much so much food, so, so many options, and uh, I think, uh, as Brandon pointed out earlier, I ate a little too many carbs this morning, but it was good, it was hard to pass up, and uh, I think I even made me a little to-go plate for later, so I uh, don't tell anybody, but um, very special day. We like to cast vision for, for the upcoming year and what the Lord is kind of laying on our radar as we look ahead in this 2020 uh, new decade and new year. And um, and plus today, um, I, want to, uh, I want to share with you really a word, uh, the word of the Lord for our church uh, that we're going to look at here in a moment in Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, it's a word that I think is, is just, as with the Lord, is timely and, and certainly beneficial, and we're going to pray over that here in just a moment. But how many of you know that not everything in, in our life works out to the exact design that we have in mind sometimes. Yeah, you figure that out like me too. Um, and yet, even though that's the case, we still, or at least I, I put myself in this boat, that I still uh, try to make it work out to my design most of the time. And and I soon realized the more I try to do that, the less it does. And and, and the more I have to realize I've got to relinquish uh, all of it to the Lord and just let Him work it out because that's really what the Bible tells us in Romans 8, 28, that, that He is the one who works everything out for our good, uh, for, the, for those who love Him and who live their life for His purpose. And and when we let God work it out and we let God bring around the design He has in mind, it seems to shape up better than the way we could have made it ourselves. I like what pastor uh, and author Mark Batterson Uh, states uh, he says we work as if everything depends on us and we pray as if everything depends on God and so we put ourselves out there to live every day of our life for the Lord and we have responsibilities involved in that but at the same time we are called to surrender everything to the Lord in our life and in so doing God works it out and it might, it might not always be comfortable sometimes to have to go through some changes and through some process, etc. But through it all, if we will allow ourselves to trust God in the middle of it and let Him have control of it, then he has a way to work things out for our good and what is best for us, because ultimately, He's the one who knows. He is creator and he is sustainer and he's designer all of those things and in the middle of it all he gives us what is called grace that helps us live it for him and i want to share out of hebrews 12 i'm gonna i've chosen the passion translation for this today it's the first two verses and if you don't have that on your smartphone or if, if you don't have that version of the bible you can follow along on the screen here behind me um no one exactly knows who wrote Hebrews. There's a lot of, lot of things out there with studies and theologians that say Paul, perhaps. Some others, no one has ever really settled on it. We don't know. Uh, but all we do know, it's in the Word. It's God's Word. And here's what he tells us in verse 1. Famous part of, the, of, of Hebrews. He says, or, or he, she says, who knows, As for us, we have all these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So, we must let go, can you say let go? go. We must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then, we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination. For the path has already been marked out before us, Verse 2, it says, We look away, can you say look away? We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus. Everyone say, look to Jesus. We fasten our gaze, we look onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example, the example of Jesus is this. His heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you and I would be his. He endured the agony of the cross. And he conquered its humiliation. And now he sits, at, sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. Would you join me in praying over today's word? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this moment. Lord, I know we, we kind of have a time that's carved out that we call church or worship or service. And Lord, we don't want to just limit you to our time, as though that could even be possible. But Lord, while we are here together in this moment of time, we acknowledge your presence. And we acknowledge, Lord, the power of your word. And we, and we pray and ask that your word would We would have revelation and knowledge and understanding on it. You would help us to apply it to our life. You would help us to live our life to glorify you. You would help us to live our life to allow you to really lead it. I ask that you would help me to minister your word now in a way that would truly help your people. And that would make you honored and glorified in all things. In the name of Jesus I pray. Everyone can say Amen. So the word of the Lord that I want to share with you today is this. It's keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on the prize at a, at a time in life when we can get so distracted, we can get so overcome and overwhelmed by life's pressures and all of the demands and all of our responsibilities and all the things that 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 plague this world. It can it can if we allow ourselves, we can allow ourselves to to just get in a place where we just feel defeated. We can feel kind of like, what's the point? We can kind of almost feel like, man, why bother? Why try so hard? Why pray so much? Why read the Bible so much? All of it is against us. And we talked a little bit about this over the last couple of weeks in this series that's called Unstuck, and we're wrapping it up today. And I've titled today's message that, Keep Your Eyes on the Prize. And right here in, in, in Hebrews 12, I just want to, I want to kind of focus in on three, three thoughts here that, that the writer pulled out and, and put on here. He said, first of all, let go. Let go of every wound that has pierced us. If we're honest with ourselves, we all have wounds. Some of them are self-inflicted wounds by the decisions we have made. Other wounds are there because of what others have done to us or situations that we have had to be a part of. And there are some things, that wounds that we have that we just were minding our own business and it was other people's issues that got onto us. And, and that happens. We all carry and have wounds. But the, the good news in the Lord is that Jesus has come to heal us of our wounds. That we don't have to go through life allowing the wounds in our soul to be the very thing that, that is greater and larger than the Lord himself that's supposed to be big in our life. That Jesus was pierced for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. All of the sorrows and the griefs were laid on him. He bore them for us. So that while we live on earth, there is a possibility that we can go through life not pain free. But when we go through pain and we have experienced wounds. That we won't allow that pain or those wounds to be the thing that hold us back back. And the writer here, there's different many translations kind of gets down to the issue of what he's talking about with the wounds, and it's basically a, a dead weight. Things that slow us down, things that hold us back in our faith and pursuing what God has for each and every one of our lives. Here's the thing about wounds. We can either pretend they don't exist or they don't affect us, Or the thing about wounds, we can placate them, we can baby them and nurture them, or we can part ways with them. We have three choices. We can pretend they they don't affect us or they're not really there, kind of sweeping it under the rug to ignore them and never really deal with them. We can placate to them and baby them and nurture them and make, you know, do all that, or we can decide you know once and for all i'm going to let jesus be big in me and i'm going to let the healing balm of the lord do its work in my life and i'm going to part ways with the wounds that have pierced me that i'm not going to walk around with an open wound it's not it's not ignoring that it really happened it's taking it to the fact of faith and say lord this happened but i'm going to let you deal with it and i'm going to let you bring healing in my heart healing in my life there are all kinds of wounds wounds from offense Wounds of bitterness. We can all have those happen to us. We have wounds that that have kind of festered into jealousy and maybe grudges in our life. But none of those are worth holding on to because the longer we hold on to them, the more it holds us back and keeps us slowed down from running the race that God has called us to run. So the question for us as we... We're almost to the end of this first month of the year. As we look ahead to live this new year, this 2020 year, and we've been in this whole theme called living unstuck, moving forward. David prayed it, Lord, by your spirit lead me forward on a firm footing. That as we look ahead to move forward in this new year, what wounds do you need to let go of In order to move forward. What is it? But he also goes on and he says. We also need to let go of sin. That so easily pulls us down. Or that we so easily fall into. Just to kind of make it simple. Across the board for us. Is this. Sin is anything that causes you and I. To miss our mark with God. Anything that causes us. To get off track with him. And he calls and the writers say. You know this is something that we find ourselves repeating, going back to time and time and time again. There are things in our life that we know are spiritually unhealthy for our souls that we gravitate to, that we may put some time and distance between them throughout the seasons of life, but we always find ourselves going back to this thing or those things that we know are not spiritually good for us. And that's what the writer's getting at. He said, look, you've got a race to run, but in order to run this race, <clears throat> you've got to let go, not only of wounds, but you've also got to be willing. You've got to let go of the sin that you so easily fall into. I have that. I'll be the first one to tell you that right now. There are things that I gravitate to that I wish that I could never gravitate to again. There are things in my life that I know that about myself that I just I pray a lot, Lord, deliver me from this. Lord, give me the strength for this. God, give me the grace for this. And it's not like it's an everyday thing, but there are times in, in, in the, throughout the ebbs and flows of a year that I'll casually find myself being drawn back to. And that's what the writer's saying, you've gotten off course. You're not running the race that you're supposed to run. And because of that, you've allowed yourself to hold on To the things that you know are not spiritually good for you. So the question is, what's in our life that we continuously fall into and that we continuously depend on that sets us back? We need to be able to pay attention to that. Because he says, when you let go, he says, then he puts the word then in there. He says, then you'll be able to run life's marathon race. But I love how he adds these descriptions to this race. He says, you'll be able to run this marathon race. And keep in, keep in mind, it's a marathon. Life is a marathon. We talked some detail about this last week, that it's a daily march with the Lord by faith on this journey that we're in. And, it, and, and we cannot, we're, we, we're not expected to conquer life in a day. That it's every day we decide we're going to get up and we're going to run our race that God has marked out for us. But look at what he puts with it. He says, run the race with passion and determination. Passion and determination. Passion. Run the race with strong, powerful, compelling desire. Now, I I wish I could tell you every day I get up just with that strong, compelling, overwhelming desire to live, uh, to run this race. I don't. There are days where I'm so dog-tired, I don't want to get up. There are days where i like, man, I want to be around people today. I want to be around Netflix. <laughs> right? Maybe you don't. I do sometimes. Whatever it is. But he says, we can run this race with a strong, overwhelming, powerful desire and With determination. Let's not. Let's make sure we get something correct here. Not running the race by how we feel, because that's that's how I feel some days. And so it's not about a feeling. We don't base it on a feeling or some certain emotion, because this whole race we're in is is called faith. Faith is not feeling. Faith is a deep. Look up Hebrews 11.1. Faith is a deep internal hope and belief that God is who he says he is and God will do what he says he will do. And he puts this hope on the inside of his people that compel us to look ahead and not always gaze down. And it wakes us up. And it motivates us. And it stirs us. And it convicts us. And it challenges us. And so, this running the race with passion is not about a desire, how I, or about a feeling or how I feel, but it's about Lord, I'm going to choose today to get up and run in faith and walk by faith and not by sight. These last three weeks of of, uh, of prayer and fasting has been very challenging for me personally. The first week, I, I, I told you last week, the first week I felt like I had the wind of the Spirit at my back. I felt like I could soar off any mountain. I felt like I could jump over any wall. I felt like I could conquer any army. And then after the second, then, then the second week, and this last week, I felt like, man, I don't think I can do this. I felt like, man, what is going on? It's called resistance. But how, have you, how many of you know if we don't have resistance, we can't gain strength? That's how our faith muscles work. The Lord allows resistance in our life in order to build our faith strength. doesn't mean we're weak. It just means we're not as strong as the Lord knows we can get and we can become. And so he allows these resistors to pop up in our life. And that's why we have to have this strong, powerful desire. No matter how I feel, the desire in me says, wake up, get up, pray, and go with what the Lord has for me today. And he says, run it with determination, a resolute firmness of purpose. Run this life's marathon race with passion and determination that you're determined no matter what, no matter how I feel, no matter what the conditions are, I'm gonna still get myself up and I'm gonna move forward in faith today. Even though I feel defeated today, even though I feel overwhelmed today, even though I feel confused today, I'm gonna rely on the peace and the grace and the mercy of God to fill my life today because I know it's more than a feeling and it's about faith. And I'm going to make myself do this thing. But here's the thing. He says you're going to run not on any path. You're going to run on the path that God has marked out for you. You're going to run on the path of faith that God has marked out for your life. So that way we don't have to get caught up in who's running in whatever lane. We don't have to get caught up in comparing ourselves with how so-and-so's doing in their faith lane with how I'm doing in my faith lane. We don't have to get caught up in how whoever else is lagging behind or ahead of us and we start to feel like we're better than them or we're not good enough because of them. We can all get caught up in those types of things sometimes. Just look at some of the Facebook posts that are out there today. It's easy to take cheap shots from the shadows of your living room than to just have a real good heart-to-heart prayerful conversation with somebody. But he says while we're running on this path, we also, the next thing he tells us is we have to look away. We have to look away from the natural realm. What I take away from that part is this, is we have to be willing to look away from potential distractions. Because if, if we're not careful, we'll start to fall prey to every distraction that's around us. We'll start to get caught up in this cause, that cause, this thing, or that thing. There are so many causes, so many things in this world today we can allow ourselves to get caught up in. And that's why we have to guard against distractions. Not everything that's out there that's good means you have to be involved in it. Or means you have to give your time or your energy or your money to it. Because there are a lot of things that are out there that are good. That are right. But it doesn't mean you are called to save the world. We have to learn to run this life of faith in our lane that God has marked out for us. And we have to be aware of potential distractions. Someone has said, if the devil can't get us caught up in our wounds or caught up in our sin, he'll get us caught up in our distractions or our busyness. In fact, if Peter knows anything, he knows about distractions. He says this in 1 Peter 5, verse 8. He says, hey, stay alert and be watchful because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's looking for the one, for the sheep who has become distracted. And the ones who get distracted are the ones that the devil pounces on. And so we have to guard against distraction. When you're going down the highway, when you're driving down the road, you can, we can, if we're not careful, things to our left or things to our right or whatever can catch our attention. And if we gaze too long to the left or right, we soon lose sight of what is in front of us. Kind of like those insurance commercials, the mayhem guy. Anybody watch TV? Don't be lying in church. You've seen the mayhem guy, how he causes all of those distractions, and then the driver next to them loses their focus, and they ended up crashing into somebody or something in front of them. That's like a classic example of the enemy. Gets us to pay attention to the wrong stuff at the right time. And if we're not careful... We'll lose sight. And so not only are we called to let go, if we're going to keep our eyes on the prize, we have to be willing to look away from potential distractions. And then the third thought on this is, he says this. He says, fasten your gaze onto Jesus. Fasten your gaze. Lock your eyes on Jesus. Lock your eyes onto Jesus. If you go to a, a real crowded place, maybe like a theme park or if you get to go to the beach or maybe in a grocery store or Walmart, that's usually crowded. And you have your children with you, especially little ones. Even though you're, try, you're trying to focus on what you're there for, you're also keeping that third eye on your kid, right? You've got your, you've got your senses locked in on your prize, And no matter what you're doing, you're always going to know where that prize is. Jesus is our prize. Jesus is our prize. As we run this race of faith in this world and all the world's issues in in life, they're all real, all the things, the struggle is real, y'all. All that stuff happens. We are called to not lose our sight. We are called to lock our gaze, lock our eyes on to Jesus. And he tells us, he says, when we do that, we gain his faith. His faith, he said, he birthed faith within us. When we keep our eyes locked on Jesus, we gain his faith. He says, we also gain his leadership. He says, he leads us forward into faith's perfection. We gain his faith. We gain his leadership in our life. Meaning, hey, we're not going to have all the answers. There are going to be some things you, you and I are, are, deal with and get caught up in. We're not going to have all the answers. But there is the one who knows all things. And if we trust him, he will lead us through it. He will lead us through it. But then he also, we gain his example. And that's where I want to kind of close out this part is this. We gain his example. And his example, he says this. He was so focused, Jesus, so focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his He was so focused on the prize. He was so focused on the prize that because he was so focused on the prize, it says that he was able to endure the agony of the cross. He was able to endure the conditions that were going on in his life. Kept his eyes on the prize, able to endure the conditions, and he said he conquered humiliation. In other words, he overcame how he felt. Now, if there's any of us who need to overcome conditions and overcome, or endure conditions and overcome how we feel, it's it's Christians, it's believers. Because we are supposed to know what it's like to live life, not by sight, but by faith. But what gets us every time are the conditions that surround us and our feelings within us. Right? Most of the time, most of the time we're moved by the conditions, and by what we feel. Not all the time, but a whole lot of the times, we are moved by the conditions and by how we feel. And the example that Jesus gives us is this. We keep our eyes locked on the prize. It allows us to then endure the conditions of this world, and it enables us to get over how we feel. About certain things in this life. Question What has God put out in front of you and said, hey, go after this? Pursue this. What has He spoken to you that has yet to come to pass? What has He promised that is still to be fulfilled? Those are some things we need to consider as we live this life by faith and not by sight. Because one of the struggles is what do you do when what has been promised and where you are currently what do you do in between? How do you navigate that? How do you deal with that? What God has spoken, what God has promised what God has put out there in front of your life for you to pursue and yet you're still here and has not achieved that, or it has not yet come to pass. You know, as a as a church, the Lord, the Lord has has gifted us with, with vision and some big things that He wants us to wants us to do, that He's called us to do. And He's also given us quite a few affirming prophetic words over the last few years. Um I've got quite a few of those words here. I'm not going to read all of these to you, but I try to keep track as many of these as I can. And throughout this fast this year, the Lord reminded me to pull these words out and and read through them and pray through them some more. Some of them, parts of them have have happened. There's still a lot that has yet to happen. And I, I, I went ahead and what I did, I summarized all of these into five statements, these prophetic words over the last five years. Number one is, we were told from the Lord, God will provide our finances, our facilities, and the resources necessary for His plan for New Life Church. That's part of the prophetic word. Number two, God's presence will be evident in our worship gatherings. Because I have been in some churches where there was no presence of the Lord. And that's not a great place to be. I don't ever want to take for granted the presence of God in our midst. Number three, God will bring in the lost, he'll bring in the prodigals, and he will bring in the laborers into New Life Church. Number four, God will establish New Life Church to be a perpetual church for generations. And number five, again, summarize these. God will use New Life Church to be a sending church of disciples who go out and make more disciples. I say that to say, not everything the Lord has promised has come to pass. Not everything has happened in the time frame that I wanted it to happen. I wanted all of these things to already be. I wanted all of these things to already exist. I wanted all of these things to already come to pass, but that has not been the case for every single thing that the Lord has spoken to us as a church. What do we do? What do we do between what's been promised and current position? What, what do we do? You know, when we moved here in uh, the end of February of 2014, the end of this February will be six years ago when we moved. Um, the Lord made it clear that as a, as a ministry, as a church, we needed to be healthier and we needed to work at getting healthier financially, directionally, organizationally, and spiritually. Uh, we, we're not where we used to be, thank the Lord. But we're, no, we're not where we want to be. We're not where I, where I feel like I want our church to get to. But we're not where we used to be. Thank God. That's a good thing. But here's, the, and, and, and even more so, I will continue to give God glory, because our church is literally 100 percent debt-free. Praise God. Uh, I think that's huge. If a church, local church can get there, I think it's a great place to be because I, 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 feel, I know what it feels like to be under the weight, as you know, under the weight of a whole lot of money that you really can't afford. And it's nice to know that we're not there anymore. Nice to know that we're not there anymore. A uh, lot of good things with that. Certainly the goodness of God. I attribute all of that to the goodness of God. Uh, I attribute it to, to just good, old-fashioned stewardship as a church, as a ministry, as leaders, as a board. Good stewardship. Uh, I don't make all these decisions by myself. There are a lot of, there's a leader of people around me and with me that help make this happen, and I'm thankful for that, thankful for them, as well as a giving congregation. You guys continue to blow my mind with your generosity uh, week in, week out, year in, year out, um, and and and, and, I, and and you obviously should feel the effects of the heavenly promises that are attached with. we trust the Lord in our giving. And I want to. We're going to get to that here in a moment. But I want to. I want to just answer that question: What does one do between what's been promised and current position? Because you may find yourself in the same boat. God has spoken. God has put some desires in your heart. God has shown you some vision for your life. And yet not all of it has happened. It's not all come to pass. And you find yourself kind of in the in-between part. What do you do? Well, as a church, we're just going to keep... We're going to follow what Hebrews tells us to do. And that is we're going to continue to keep letting go of dead weight. Anything that slows us down. Anything that holds us back. And with... um, it, with uh, agreement from our board, our elders, our staff, we, we, we believe we're supposed to continue to remain here in this location uh, a little longer. Um, I, I wish I could put a time frame on it for you. I, I just can't. One of the convictions we have is that we want to do our very best to not operate with a huge overhead of debt over us anymore. So we want to try to keep that on the forefront of our minds and your minds and, that, and as we move ahead. But in remaining here... Here's what I mean when letting go of dead weight. We're we're, we're looking at resetting our layout and our look for our worship services. Um, We want to simplify this because there's a lot of things that go into to do this. We want to simplify yet retain an ambiance for a sanctuary. Um, We don't want Sundays to get to a place where it becomes an exhausting chore that our Members and volunteers have to do certain things in order to make Sunday happen. Not that we won't ever have to serve or or do our part or any of that. I'm just saying, you do this setup like we do at week in, week out. Not only do the resources break down the natural resources, but so does the people. And so do the people. And we get tired of doing certain things sometimes. Doesn't mean we're not going to set up. Doesn't mean we're not going to try. Doesn't mean we're not going to put our best foot forward. It's just we're going to try to simplify some of the layout and look of our, of our Sunday morning while we continue to remain here. We want to continue to have an atmosphere that is hospitable uh, for all of our attenders, as well as all of our newcomers who will come to this church, and uh, from adults all the way to from children, children all the way to adults. And um, I have a desire in my heart that I would like to see our church double in size right here. We have the room for it, we have the space for it. We have the abilities for it. And we've been working towards that in that direction uh, when working to see and want to want that to happen. So we're simplifying some things by just doing a, a quick reset. And so we're going to be working on some things. One, you see the, the screen there behind me. I know it's like one thing, like out of many, but those ble- there used to be some bleachers back there along the wall. Uh, Those are in the process of all being taken out. Uh, So we're going to revamp how our stage is. We want to create more floor space because when we have dances and our children dance and others dance, we want you to be able to see them from up here and not have to stand up and look at them on the floor. So we're trying to create a simpler simpler look on the stage that is conducive for our style and who we are. Lots of changes like that are, are happening and will continue to happen, as well as the way we set up the floor section of our sanctuary. A um, lot of fruit from last year, a lot of fruit last year. I don't know if you remember, but we talked some quite a few uh, weeks about our pursuit last year and getting started and, and really focusing in on strengthening the pathways of discipleship in our church, D- making making a intentional effort to become. To build more leaders and leadership teams and to continue to strengthen our outreach relationship in our community as well as on the mission field abroad. Those are all, we've all seen good, positive fruit from all of those efforts. Those are still a part of who we are and what we will continue to do. Um, Last year, we saw five families uh, join our church and become members of this church. Uh, that's exciting. I I hope you're excited about that as I am. We also were able to witness five water baptisms last year uh, in 2019. So that means new people who were not following the Lord decided to make a faith proclamation, and they're going to follow Jesus. And so uh, that's a big deal. And so we want to continue to help people take those steps on that pathway of discipleship. And on behalf of of our board, on behalf of all of our elders, our staff, uh, we just we just want to say a heartfelt thank you uh, to everyone who contributed financially to the church through your tithes and through your offerings and special offerings and lots of lots of great things. A couple of weeks ago, if you were here, you heard the uh, report on our Christmas blessing. Uh, over Christmas. And uh, and so I just want to say thank you for that. And with that, I, I've got a slide I want to show you. I would like to show you um, the kind of the comparison of 2019 and then what's in the budget for 2020. Um, on On your left, my right, are the 2019 actuals. Um, 89% of tithes and offerings that came in were uh, allotted for operations. Operations are Everything that deals with ministry within the church, uh, the facilities, as well as personnel paying people to, to work here and to work in the church. And so 89% went there. 9% went to missions and outreach, and 2% went to, uh, we were able to put 2% away for savings last year. And the way the budget is set up this year, uh, our board has met, uh, and, and we have concluded on this, that uh, it's almost parallel uh, a little bit. Operations 90, missions outreach 9, savings 1. And so um, I just wanted you to see where things went last year, where things are set up to go this year, kind of pretty much the same in, this, in the sense of our, uh, our investment is what helps us to accomplish what the Lord has put on us to do as a church ministry and as a church body. And I just want to say thank you for that. May, may you continue to feel the effect of God's hand on your life as you honor the Lord, as you obey the Lord, and as you trust the Lord uh, in your giving. And may, may 2020 even exceed what we have put on paper. May it go far and beyond what we're even able to ask or think, because that's what the Bible tells us in Ephesians. It says He's the God who's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think or even imagine according to the power that works within us. So we're going to continue to remain, and while remaining here, we're going to continue to look away from distractions. Um, You know, worship together as a church is important. Coming together as a church body is vital, and so we want to continue. We want to reset our priorities. In resetting our priorities, we want Sunday worship as a church to be a big deal. Not that it hasn't been a big deal, or that's not a big deal to you, but here's what I mean by that. I want to see all 200 plus members of new life church be together in one service did you know that we have said this before we have over 200 members in this church we have about a hundred or so here today so this is about half of who are members of our church can you imagine the people you would meet and be like oh you go to church here and they're like uh you go to church here and like yeah we all go to church here But if we actually went to church here together on a consistent basis, the camaraderie, the unity, the harmony, and the love that would happen, and the way God would pour out His Spirit in our church, and what He can accomplish with us if all of us came together. And so as elders, as staff, we're praying, we're preparing, and we're pointing our people in this direction. So we're going to be nudging all 200 plus members in this direction. If you get a phone call, a text, an email, or whatever, it's not because you know we're trying to you know make you feel bad or make anybody feel bad. We're just wanting you to know that this church wants you. This church needs you. This church believes in you. This church wants to fulfill everything that God wants us to do. And here's the thing. We cannot do it. All by ourself. It takes all of us working together. And then, lastly, we're going to keep looking to Jesus. We're going to keep our eyes locked on our prize. If at any time you ever see me with my eyes not locked on Jesus, you have the right. To get someone in the church, an elder, and say, hey, our pastor's off base. I don't think he's telling the truth. I don't think he's leading us the way we need to be led. Let's talk about that. And likewise, as elders and pastors and leaders, that's what we also have a charge of responsibility to do with the sheep. We want to help you lock your eyes on Jesus, We want to help you keep your eyes locked on your prize. So we're going to follow his example. He said, keep your eyes on the prize because here's the deal. There's so much more that God still wants to do in and through New Life Church. This year, New Life Church itself as NLC will be five years old as New Life Church in April. We're planning to throw a birthday party for five-year-olds. <laughs> I don't have a clue what all we, we plan to do. I just know I want it. It needs to be fun. It needs to be fun. It needs to be celebratory. Turning five is a big deal. Anybody ever remember turning five? We were in worship a minute ago, and my newly six-year-old comes up to me and says, "Daddy." Daddy, I thought she wanted to tell me something important. She's like, can I have a Minnie Mouse house for my next birthday? (laughs) I'm like, I don't know. We'll see, sweetie. We'll see. Minnie Mouse house. Now, one day it's this, another day it's that. But I just love the fact that she can just come up to me and just tell me what she thinks and tell me what she wants. Doesn't mean she's going to get it. Don't tell her that, Edith don't know yet but we're five we're gonna be five i want to i want to just tell the lord all hey god you said all this i want to see you do it i want to see you bring the lost in lord there are prodigals who are floating around in this world who need to come back home to you they need to know what it's like for the love of god to reach out to them the love of the church to accept them and to help get them back into the fold and on target on the path of faith that you have for them. God, will you use New Life Church to be a church that does that? Lord, there's so many things you've called us to do. We need laborers in the field of harvest right now. You tell us, Lord, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. God, you said you would bring in the workers for the harvest. I really don't think it's too much for us to pray and ask the Lord, hey, fill every chair we have, and if we need more, we have bleachers we'll pull out. Not because I want to say we have a big church, but I want to be able to say we know a big God who's able to reach far and wide, deep into the heart of man, and deliver and heal and save and set free every issue that you and this world face that we deal with all the time, that we put our faith in Christ. So we gotta keep our eyes locked on Jesus. Keep your eyes locked on Jesus. Don't lose sight. Don't get discouraged by the things in your life that aren't going right, by the conditions that are happening. Keep your eyes locked on Jesus And when you do that, you're going to be able to endure. We will be able to endure the conditions of sharing a space that's not ours. But as we always have, we will continue to take good care of it and be good stewards of what the Lord blesses us with. Because I know one day he promised we will have a space that we didn't build and that we didn't buy, but it's going to be really nice, and he's going to bless us with. And I want to hold on to that promise by keeping my eyes locked on the prize and then reminding myself, get over how I feel about it. There's a lot of things in life I don't like, but if I let my feelings control me, man, my wife knows I'm a real pain. I'm not very fun when I live by those feelings.